Hello and welcome to Lost in Sci-Fi and Fantasy. I'm your host, Leo, and today we're doing something a bit different with Parasite, a critically acclaimed Korean film from 2019 directed by Bong Joon-ho, who also directed Snowpiercer, uh, a movie I have not seen, and is directing an upcoming movie that I'm very interested in called Mickey 17. Uh, that movie, Mickey 17, is an adaptation of the book Mickey 7, which is about a guy, I think, that is marked part of an expendable uh, program where they send you out on a almost certain suicide mission, uh, and when you inevitably die, they just replace you uh, with a clone of yourself uh, that kind of goes an increment up. You know, so Mickey 1, Mickey 2, Mickey 3, and so on and so forth. Uh, in Mickey 7... He finds out that while out on a mission, they just kind of presumed he was dead and already made a Mickey 8 by the time he gets back. So, it's interesting. And the concept for Mickey 17 is kind of, you know, it's the same concept, but further down the line. Which I find very interesting. Anywho, <laughs> as for the movie that we're talking about today, before we get into it, actually, uh, some minor updates to uh, everything in general. I intend, since I cannot stream for the foreseeable future, I will be uh, actually doing a pre-recorded series that I'll be posting on YouTube once a week. Uh, that series, to help fill in, you know, the content void that has been happening <laughs> in between things. So the series is a little bit niche um, for me. It is going to be... For uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars Republic Heroes, a game that is not praised at all, uh, but I have memories of. I won't quite say that they're fond or anything, but I have memories. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I will be doing that. It will be coming out, I'm going to say Wednesdays, uh, coming up soon. And yeah, I, I think that that's, that'll help clear some of the content void because i post new episodes of this podcast on mondays then randomly do during the week i'll post a short update depending on when i finish a book as you may have noticed this past week uh the short that i posted was um not a book update it was just a random clip from my first mafia stream so yeah <laughs> the things I'm, I'm trying to help get more content out there for y'all to actually enjoy during the week. So Mondays will be the um, the new episode of the podcast, and then Wednesdays will be a new episode of uh, Clone Wars Republic Heroes. And then sometime during the week will be shorts. I'll, as I'll be doing the new series, I'll be able to do shorts on that series, as well as the shorts for the book updates. Uh, as for this week's book update, I'm currently recording this episode on Friday. I will be posting it on Monday, but I'll be doing the update recording on Sunday to try to have as close uh, close up-to-date information for you guys as I can. But there is a small problem. Um, currently, where I'm at on Friday, I am not even halfway through the book. I need to try to finish the book uh, Well, by the time I record the update on Sunday. So I'm in a little bit of a pickle. I'm going to try my hardest. But it's not going to be easy. But we'll save that and you'll find out whether or not uh, I'm successful 
in the update uh, later this episode. So that's going to be fun. Anywho, <laughs> with that out of the way, let us go ahead and get into Parasite. So my history with this film is not a lot. And my history with Korean cinema in general is very sparse. I've only really watched Old Boy once ages ago and it was because i was really interested in the um the hallway scene which was it's quintessential cinema it's very cool um but yes yeah, so i hadn't really watched many or really any korean films other than that um i'm interested in snowpiercer uh which they turned into a tv series funnily enough anyway that's beside the point <laughs> um the my experience with Korean cinema being limited as it is, you know, currently now two data points, both of them end kind of weird, and it's kind of hard to explain. Uh, but generally, the, their premises are fairly simple at the start. But anyhow, let, let's go ahead and get into it. So with Parasite, it revolves around this family who are quite poor. None of them have jobs. They have to scrounge for um, Wi-Fi and they get paid to make pizza boxes uh, at a dismal rate. But they are relatively clever in their persuasiveness, their conversation, their uh, I guess tactics. They're all quite smart and talented at what they do. So, I'm just going to call them by their uh, placement in the family. Um, the Because, one, for a good chunk of the movie, they don't really go by their actual names. Uh, the son goes by Kevin, and the daughter goes by Jessica. And then I think the mother and the father go go by their actual names, maybe, I'm not sure. But, again, we'll get to that later. So, the son is able to talk the pizza delivery people into potentially giving one of them an actual job at the pizza place to hopefully get more pay. But, uh, I think later that night, his friend from school, I guess, comes bringing a gift for the family which is a rock that is supposed to help bring uh, wealth to your family. And, you know, it's supposed to be a, a hopeful thing. The son ends up with a bit of a fixation with the rock. I, I don't know why. Uh, but his friend and him go out for drinks, and his friend asks him to take over his tutoring job with this wealthy family. Because he's about to go... Uh, study abroad and he doesn't trust his college friends to not uh, move in on the girl he was tutoring which overall quite problematic in general uh, she's in high school and this guy intends to date her after um, when she's in college but it's a bit of a weird situation and it gets worse as the movie goes <laughs> so the son accepts and goes for the interview and is able to impress the mom uh, 
by um, the the rich mom by doing some flowery language about taking an exam it it's weird and uncomfortable and i would have seen it as a fireable situation uh but now she's impressed and hires him on and he notices the son's artistic skill and recommends his sister though he claims that it is a friend of his cousin uh for tutoring him in art so that's how his sister is brought in. Then the sister manipulates a situation with the driver to get him fired. And when he's fired, uh, she recommends her dad, which I guess was like a family driver for like her, her cousins, is what she claimed. But since they moved to Chicago, he should be available for them. So he comes in is the driver then they have to for some reason i still don't fully get why they get so complicated with it but they do they manipulate the situation to convince the family to get rid of the long long time live-in housemaid who came with the house like she was living in the house before the current family that's living there is there and they just accepted her on the way that they manipulate the situation is she has an allergy to peaches. So they take peach hair, the peach fuzz, and like sprinkle it on her to send her into a coughing, sneezing fit. And she, they use the situation to claim that she has tuberculosis because the, the wife of the, the rich family, she is... Quite, she's fairly gullible. I mean, she's a nice person, quite gullible, but yeah, they. It, it's a bit of a awkward thing. She fires the ha living housewife, and then the father gives the rich father a card for a cleaning service, which is just directly links to them, and. Uh, <laughs> gets the the mom hired into the house so now they're they're all working for the family and they're enjoying it they're you know making pretty decent money overall and things are going okay then the family goes on a the rich family goes on a camping trip and they decide to take this opportunity to live it up um they get to live it up for all of a couple of hours until the previous live-in house uh, maid, housekeeper, comes back and asks to pick up something that she left behind because she was rushed out of the house. And when they follow her to see what's going on, or I mean, most of the family's trying to hide and stay away from her because the only person that's supposed to be in the house is the the you know live-in housemaid or housekeeper, and so they she the housekeeper the new housekeeper the mom follows her into the basement where she's trying to like push a cabinet to the side. Uh, she helps her push the cabinet over, and behind it is a door in. Behind that door is like another sub 
like a sub basement, which is put in because a lot of rich people have these secret basements in case of a North Korean attack, which I mean, sensible. But this family doesn't know about that. Because uh, the previous housekeeper was very close to the original designer of the house who lived in it for a very long time until I think he died. And then it was sold to the new family. You know, fun. Anyway. <laughs> so they, they discovered that the previous housekeeper was keeping her husband in the basement because he was on the run from loan sharks. He got into debt. He pretty much, he had a very similar story as um, the father of the poor family, where he kept trying to start businesses, but they kept failing. And so he ended up taking out loans with loan sharks, and, you know, the debt collectors keep chasing him. So, after the family trip and expose themselves, uh, the housekeeper starts blackmailing them. It's very short-lived uh, when they are able to kind of wrestle the phone out of her hand eventually, and it's a big scuffle, but then a phone call comes in notifying them that the family, the rich family, is on their way back because the rain stopped the camping. They have to rush to clean up and hide themselves <laughs> Except for the uh, the mom who has to make a meal for the family when they come home. So they rush around. Uh, in the scuffle, the mom kicks the previous housekeeper down the stairs, uh, giving her a massive concussion. And the husband, or the father, um, and the son drag the housekeeper and her husband down back into the sub-basement, lock it, and the issue is, so because of her concussion, she ends up dying, uh, and pretty much tells her, her husband to, you know, remember the name of the new housekeeper. Uh, he's able to get free, tries to send out a Morse code, which does... Nothing. I, I, he, he tries to get a message out to the, the son because the son is part of the Cub Scouts and so should know Morse code. But I guess he, he he's not able to fully understand, so he just leaves it, falls asleep. Um, during the next day, the rich family decides to throw an impromptu birthday party to kind of make it up for the son. Um... And, sorry, the previous night, during the rain, after the family's able to escape, uh, the father, the son, and the daughter go back to their home to find it flooded. And then they have to stay in a gymnasium shelter, like an emergency shelter, uh, overnight. Then they're invited to the party. They go to the party, and the... Mother and the daughter want to try to come to terms with the housekeeper and her husband. Um, but they're both kind of carted away from the basement before they can go down to talk. 
the sun goes down carrying the the uh, I guess prosperity rock we can call it. He carries it downstairs. He fumbles it down the stairs like the absolute goober he is, and he he goes down, notices the housekeeper like bagged up i guess he tries to go investigate but then he gets a a wire around his neck and he gets dragged across the housekeeper's husband is about to kill him when he's able to dodge he runs upstairs gets pulled and then severely beaten with a rock surprisingly this doesn't kill him the housekeeper's husband then goes upstairs grabs a knife and ends up stabbing the daughter. And he ends up like also cutting a few people before he ends up going after the uh, the wife, the the new housekeeper, <laughs> the wife. He he goes after her, and he's trying to stab her, but she's able to take a shish kebab. And stab him with it, uh, escaping with a few cuts. Uh, during the scuffle, because the son has this weird traumatic backstory where when he was relatively young, he went and snuck his birthday cake and he saw what he thought was a ghost. It was the housekeeper's husband coming out from the basement to try to get some food. But he thought it was a ghost and he kind of started freaking out. This happens again when the housekeeper's husband comes out and stabs the, the daughter. Um, and the there's this like kind of through line about the poor family having a kind of smell to them. You know, because they live in a, a sub-basement thing or like a, a, a basement apartment, they, they have a bit of a, a smell to them for some reason. I, I guess I kind of get it, but not not fully. But upon seeing the husband, the rich husband's reaction to the smell of the housekeeper's husband, uh, the father picks up the knife that the housekeeper's husband was wielding and stabs the rich father, and then just kind of wanders off. So. After he wanders off, uh, the son was rushed to the hospital by the rich daughter, which he had formed a relationship with. Uh, one, so it, it's skeezy in two ways. He's about the same age as his college friend, or his friend who was in college, who went abroad. He's about the same age. So it's it's the same issue, except for I think he took it further than the college the college guy did not not great uh two he, he betrays his friend by doing exactly what his friend was worried about um so a bit of a double scumbag move there but anywho she is able to get him to the hospital and he has brain surgery and is fine the daughter having been stabbed uh, dies. She bleeds to death. Uh, it's it's not not great. The father 
disappeared and the mother is fine though you know she is not she's very depressed that her daughter died and whatnot but yeah so it turns out that what the father did is he immediately went back into the house via the garage went up and then down into the sub-basement that no one knows about. So he just hid out there. He struggled until the... Because the family, the mother, the rich mother, rich daughter, and rich son left the house, obviously, because it's where their husband-slash-dad uh, died. So they ended up leaving the house, and it stayed vacant for a while. And the father you know, had to subsist for a while until a new family moved in. When they did move in, he was able to, you know, eat better. Though the housekeeper stayed, the new housekeeper stayed in the house. The, sorry, newest housekeeper uh, stayed in the house 24 hours a day, so he had trouble sneaking food. Uh, he writes to his son detailing this uh, using the same method that the housekeeper's the same method that the housekeeper's husband used to try to communicate with the uh, father and the son of the rich family uh, Morse code through a light the son going up the mountain to watch the house every so often for some reason uh, noticed the Morse code wrote it down and was able to translate the letter. Then he writes his own letter. Though how he planned the, on getting it to the father. I don't know. Uh, but he somehow did. Or maybe didn't. It's kind of left vague. But he details that he has a plan. He's going to earn enough money. To eventually buy that house. So that he can you know come out of hiding. And that's where the movie ends. The, the flashback forward i guess scenario i think is just the detailing of the plan before execution because his father has a bit of a speech beforehand that making plans doesn't go well so the best plan is to have no plan uh but yeah so i don't know how the son intended to get the message to his father i don't know if the scene that we saw was meant to be like a you know, like what they do with heist movies where they'll detail the plan and it'll show you it being executed and then it actually is, it's done kind of thing. I don't know. But that, that's kind of the, the vibe you get. Anywho, that, that's the, the film overall. I think it's interesting, but it's not really fully my cup of tea. It was touted as a dark comedy but i didn't see much of the humor in it though i guess i could see some of the moments being kind of funny it it's just you know one of those things would i recommend it um sure i mean it's not bad by any means it's pretty good um it has a little bit of a slow start it takes about 20 minutes to like get into the actual plot and then you're just kind of seeing the same thing happen like three different times where someone replaces someone else and goes in. Uh, 
I'm also kind of disappointed in the premise. Not not the overall premise that's actually presented to us in the film. It's the premise that it was kind of sold on. So the kind of description that I saw, at least on HBO Max, where I watched it, um, said that a poor family starts to take over the life of a different, you know, a rich family. Where they're supposed to kind of go in and take like take over their roles is what it's kind of sold as but it's not that they replace their workers to you know earn money by lying and creating false documents and whatnot but they don't ever actually try to take over the family's life at any point except for their hypothetical talk of what if we owned this house and then them kind of daydreaming and pretending that they do own the house that kind of happens for like maybe an hour or so before they just you know before they have to deal with the housekeeper and whatnot so it it's it's sold on a bit of a false premise but it's fine i guess it's it's not bad but oh anywho I think that that's a pretty decent place to stop. Uh, You know, because I'll have the update and everything. Plus, also, this movie, it's about two hours. It doesn't... I had to watch it in two two sessions because, again, the plot kind of drags a little bit. And, honestly, reading subtitles can be a pain sometimes because you're paying so much attention to the bottom third of the screen it gets a bit distracting but yeah it's not bad i i do recommend watching it especially if you like korean cinema or especially if you like this director the director you know he's done a lot of movies and he's doing a lot more like snowpiercer uh, from everything i hear is really good and again it was adapted into a tv series which i find very interesting and then he also has Mickey 17. I haven't read Mickey 7 yet. I do intend to get it and read it. And then I do want to see the movie because I like the premise of it. But yeah. <laughs> Anywho. Um, with that, uh, let us go ahead and move on to this week's update. Alright, so it is update time. And I have some news. Uh, it's not particularly great news, and it's actually going to shake up how this challenge works in general for a bit, and I guess how challenges going into the future are going to work, because I have come to the conclusion that I cannot continue Shadows of the Empire. Now, I did on YouTube, under my community tab, put up a poll asking what would be preferred of a veto situation and i didn't really get any response to that so i just kind of picked one of the options the one that i feel is kind of the fairest to the podcast listeners and the overall challenge you know and whatnot so so yeah let's kind of start with that so in a veto situation going forward now what i mean by veto is you know 
I decide, no, I, I don't want to read this book anymore. Plain and simple. I just don't want to read it anymore. And that is only if I absolutely hate the book. And it can only apply to non-topic books or content. So, for example, this overall challenge, the main topic of the challenge is the Percy Jackson book series, right? So, since Star Wars Shadows of the Empire is not on topic, it is able to be vetoed. I cannot skip a Percy Jackson book or a Percy Jackson related book. But, since this is a Star Wars book, I can skip it. That, that That's going to be kind of the, the thing going forward for challenges, is if I include off-topic content, and I absolutely hate that content to my deepest core, I'm not going to force myself to uh, continue. So, yeah. <laughs> now, why do I hate Shadows of the Empire? The game is fine. I mean, the game is... It's a game. It has a bit of a meh story, but it's a game. The book, though, is completely terrible, in my opinion. I absolutely hate it. Every bit I've been reading so far, I didn't like. Because, well, to start off, the book starts off with pretty much two whole chapters that are nothing but flashback to Empire Strikes Back. It's a little bit annoying. Then, the way it handles the characters is just awful. Terrible. I hate it. I just cannot continue reading it. So basically, it takes Leia, who I feel is a strong, powerful character. That's, you know, intelligent, deadly, in her own right. She can handle a situation on her own when she needs to, right? This book decides that, meh, nah, she's too distracted by her feelings and whatnot. No, that's not Leia. She, she is able to focus on the end goal of, you know, defeating the Empire more than anything. Like, I understand that they feel that they... That the story would be interesting and whatnot, but no, it's just not. It turns some of the best characters from the movies into complete assholes, or just completely shits all over them. Like Luke becomes a complete douchebag, shows off for no one in particular, brags to himself. Like that's not Luke, and I don't see him learning any kind of lesson. It just, no. It just, no. Uh, Vader is a whiny, like, teenager, pretty much, in this. Because he knows that he can't kill Prince Shizor, but meh. So he goes off and broods in his room. Like, oh, come on. And the battles suck. Nothing is terribly interesting about the battles. They literally go into the battles... And then sometimes they just kind of skip over the battles and just move on because Vader's bored. It, it just isn't good. It sucks. It hurts. And what, what they do to Leia and Luke and their inner monologues is 
is a travesty. I don't know how people like that, except for maybe nostalgia for when it was first coming out. I can understand when it was first coming out in the 90s, the hype around it. You know, it, it was a big publicized event. And people were excited about it. I understand. And they might look fondly on the experience of it coming out, but I think looking back at Shadows of the Empire, especially now with modern sensibilities, I know the mid to late 90s isn't that long ago, but sadly, if you look back that far, you realize just how different things are. Heck, if you look back as far as just the early 2000s, you see just kind of how bad things are. And you could still even look around now and see how bad people individually are. But going forward, one, the the uh, author of the book has earned himself a place in my don't read um, my don't read section. If it wasn't a Star Wars book, I would give it away. I've only done that for one other author so far, and that's Ernest Klein. I gave away Ready Player One, Ready Player Two, and Armada. I gave those away. If this wasn't a Star Wars book, it would it would go the same way. I hate it with every fiber of my being. But what are we doing going forward then? What is replacing this? What is the penalty for me vetoing? Because I'm not going to veto something and just leave it at that. I am willing to take a penalty. Well, the options I had put forward in the poll were adding the Kane Chronicles without any of the uh, additional stuff that I was asking for. Just, I would add it, no fuss, no muss, it, it, it will be in. Or, I would do the Thrawn trilogy in addition that would leave Kane Chronicles as a potential like barrier you know, down the line. But, you know, adds an additional three books in place of this one. Then I also, on the poll, which I probably shouldn't have, thinking back on it, um, I also had put just continue Shadows of the Empire. I'm not doing that. Because, one, that will put me back a whole last week. Because I'm I barely, I'm just behind half away through the book. And if I'm hating it this much now, I fear how it'll be later. So, what have I decided since the poll didn't really get as much traction as I was hoping? I'm going to add in the Cane Chronicles. Because, one, since I wasn't able to consult the podcast uh, audience beforehand, I feel it's only fair that I add in the Cane Chronicles and, you know, not... Not worry you guys with having to, you know, make it to where you guys don't have to worry about it not being part of the series if we don't reach the goal. Otherwise, what I will do as well, and I'm just thinking of this now, just so you know, I will add in the Thrawn trilogy to replace the Kane Chronicles in the the space. So, you know, if I hit those goals, then the Thrawn trilogy will come in probably way too late into the game to uh, to make things a lot more difficult. But anywho, 
uh, that is, I think, the update, though. Uh, where, When will I actually start the King Chronicles? I will not be starting it immediately. I will actually be... Uh, I'm going to read Heroes, the Heroes of Olympus books next, and Sphere. Then I might read the first Kane Chronicles book then. And, you know, we'll see. I have to... I have to figure figure it out. Uh, but other than that, I think that that is um, it. I also, so, since I'm recording this on Sunday, as an additional bit of penalty, I am not allowed to start Heroes of Olympus until tomorrow. So Monday, when this episode is out. Uh... I'm doing that just so, you know, pretty much I no longer have any kind of um, lead. I have no plus, no minus, and now those three extra weeks that I had planned in are now filled with the Kane Chronicles. So, yeah, that, that is where we are uh, currently seated. Uh, a much tighter challenge going forward, but yeah. Yeah, I just, I, oof. not many books have made me that angry, uh, in a long time. Like, the last book to make me this angry, and I was actually able to finish that one, was Armada by Ernest Cline. Although, technically, I guess Ready Player Two is a similar situation, though, because I gave up reading that one pretty fast because it was just terrible. So, yeah, I think it, it it it's earned its place amongst Ready Player 2 and Armada for me. So, yeah. The the author of this book has earned his place definitely with the I'm not reading anything you do uh pile. <laughs> uh but yeah, so that that is the state of things. Uh we will go ahead and leave it there. It's been a fairly short episode this week. And I actually haven't figured out what I'm doing after Parasite, so that that's going to be fun. <laughs> Anywho, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys uh, enjoyed this, hopefully you will also enjoy the stuff on my YouTube channel, Leo Legionnaire, where I'm also doing um, a series now, like a, a, a pre-recorded series, so fully edited and whatnot, because I can't really do live streams at the moment, so I'll... Uh, I'll do a, a series to fill in the void. It'll be every Wednesday so that there's more content on the YouTube channel. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, other than that, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. I will talk to you guys next week with a new update following uh, Heroes of Olympus. Goodbye.